Welcome, everybody, to part two, uh, part deux, of the Interstellar podcast. Um, without further ado, let's let's start the show. We'll get back to uh, me and John talking about the movie. Today, 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 in space, in space, in space. How about, uh, how about I'll say a pro, and you can say a con. How, okay. how about that? Um, what did I think was a pro? Um, I thought... Uh, see, this is what happens when you're so critical. <laughs> it's difficult. It's really hard to think of a pro. Um, how about you say a pro? You were the one who gave it nine. I have some good cons. Okay. All right, I'll give it another pro. Um, I thought the... The whole space launch system that they were using was very cool. You mean um, how it was literally... It was, uh, it, how it was designed, how they used it, right. um, how it functioned in the movie. Um, I thought it was very cool. I thought the rocket launch was sweet. Um, the launch vehicle, which is kind of like, you know, basically like a little starship, um, that was very cool. And then it linked up to that circular ring. Right. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, what it what it did was use... Um, just like that sin- spinning centripetal force, yeah, right? to to create gravity so that they could yeah. be on, and then they if literally you played just Halo. You understand? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I thought that was really cool, and how it, uh, um, it was basically a docking station for it, so that you could come back and forth. It was very functional. Very it didn't functional. seem super fantasy driven. Yeah, it would be very easy to 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 make something like that that looks very clunky. Or very, like, just thin and kind of... They did a really good job of making it look like something we could build today. Right. You know? I thought that was... Uh, that's a that's a genius way to really easily, in a movie, explain why you have gravity on the ship. <laughs> it's pretty good. Because otherwise, you need to spend that time in one of those uh, um, planes that does the, the elliptical dives. So that yeah, that's how they filmed that's Apollo just, 13. That makes they me filmed the whole movie. just thinking I know. about it. I know every scene that they're weightless in that movie in Apollo 13, they were doing that in the plane. So they would have to film for minutes at a time. That is unbelievable to think of how crazy. inefficient that is compared to a nice little spinning wheel right. that <laughs> effort, effortlessly spins around. Um, yep. Yeah, that was really cool. That was also another point in the movie where my girlfriend was like, the, the jaw hit the floor. Mm-hmm. And you know what? For For the typical person that doesn't, really you know even if they understand what centripetal force is like you've used a yo-yo before mm-hmm. you understand it but you don't really think how it can be practically used right it's just today. something that's there you take it for granted mm-hmm. right um all right here's a good con okay? okay um now if you've seen uh getting back to the nolan brothers mm-hmm. if you've seen their movies they all sort of have the same look you might ask why that is right mm-hmm why is that? Why, why is that, that? That's a good question. <laughs> they were all uh, the head of photography, uh, the cinematographer. Uh, where's his name here? Um, uh, da, 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 uh, Walt uh, Fister. Okay, this guy he did all of Nolan's movies. That's why they all look the same. Okay, and and you know what? I sort of I took that for granted every time. Nolan released a Batman movie or Inception and had that same look. I sort of associated with him Nolan. with that, even though you know what? He's the director. He's not necessarily the guy pointing the camera. He has okay. a little bit of influence, but ultimately he's going to leave it to head of photography. Hmm. Now the guy who did this was not him. It was this Dutch guy. 
Uh, I, I won't even pretend that I know how to say his name. Uh, but the so only, I tried. It's, it's pretty bad. I, I don't speak <laughs> my Dutch very well. That's right. Yeah. Anything not Ameri- not uh, English, I try to uh, stray no, away it's, from. It's, it's American. Let's just let's not lie to ourselves. It's we speak American. American. Um, so the only movie that this guy has done that you've ever heard of, like I said, he's Dutch. Uh, the movie Her, I didn't see it. It was the uh, I, I strayed away from it because I was like, I don't want to watch a movie where a guy has a relationship with a female robot. That's a cell phone. You know, it, it was. It sounded like an okay concept, but when it really boils down, it just sounds creepy. Doesn't it, that's it? that's right. Yeah, when I read, when I heard it, like if I read that on paper, I'd be like, "Sorry, I'm not watching that." Like um, maybe it's a beautiful weird. story, but I'm pretty sure Could there was be. a scene where he's on like a cruise ship and he's talking to the phone, and <laughs> and if I was standing next to him, I'd be like, "What the fuck? What I know is up with this guy." <laughs> so. And and you know what? That looked like it was an okay shot movie. It looked they, like they filmed the the yeah. It looked like the film was really beautiful, right? Which just, is, just would have been the only thing I would have gone to go see. Right, it. right. Just based off the trails, okay. They probably picked some of the more beautiful shots. That mm-hmm. being said, it looked okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's only done that. He's actually slated for the next Bond movie. Really? Which I, let's not get into those. But the, okay. those newer ones that have come out, especially the last one, shot beautifully. Mm. He didn't do that one. He is doing the next one, mm-hmm. but. The way that he shot Interstellar, I was really upset with. Um, I guess it's it's really hard to make something look crappy when you're in space and you're dealing with wormholes and stars and planets and black mm. holes. You know, especially when you have the Star Trek, the new Star Trek movies to go off of, uh, right? With J.J. Abrams, who's done a really good job with with that. You have lots of mm. points of reference. You know, so I guess my point is. A monkey could film something in space, and it would look half decent. Okay. okay, now, there were parts of this movie, like we said, some of the most impressive visual effects you'll ever see, if not ever. And it'll probably change next year, but right. still really impressive visual effects. But there were some shots, too many shots, that didn't have that big, wide, open effect. They mm. were almost too claustrophobic. There were too many shots where you wanted to see everything. And yeah. I guess this is Nolan just saying, you can't have it. You have to interpret it as your own. But there were too many shots where you look like you were looking through, you know, a box like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, right, you can't see that. I, I'm I, by hand <laughs> Holding over my his face. Holding his head, yes. <laughs> Circles above his eyes. <laughs> uh, pinholes. Uh, there were a lot of shots where I don't mind a few of them Mm -hmm. where uh they would mount a camera whether it was onto the side of their uh their thing when they're driving to the cornfields their truck oh right there's another time where it actually worked when they're alongside the wave Mm. and they have the camera mounted on the thing it looks like it's surfing it looks cool that being said they used that shot way too many times and where you want to zoom out and see this little teeny tiny speck of a ship racing across this behemoth wall of water you're looking through a pinhole and you can't see what's going on and and i saw it on imax that i went to go see the 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 frightening effect of something like that yeah right at times (laughs) right and i didn't feel that i felt that not to go there again gravity did a good job of we we just went there again it's okay (laughs) um but no, Gravity really did do a good job opening up the film, making you feel horrified by the mm-hmm. fact that there's literally nothing for pretty much forever in your, you <laughs> in know, the, in the scope. Right? Don't bother, start to run. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. So I was really disappointed that he that he kept the field of view so shallow. Mm. Uh, just that's something that I was 
I was hoping for Nolan to be a little more influenced by his past movies okay. and say, I want this look. You remember The Dark Knight, right? Oh, yeah. Now, the One Dark of my Knight, favorites. This, that's what? That's six I years ago? I saw that in now? IMAX. When it came, remember, you were there. We, we all went together for that movie, right? You know what? Not to get into that, but yeah. that was one of the best nights of our lives. Yeah, that was pretty we'll cool. We'll talk about that after the podcast. <laughs> but but we saw the midnight screening of that, actually. Yep. Now, if you remember, the first shot, and it's an IMAX, too, is this big, wide shot. It's actually of downtown Chicago. It's mm-hmm. Gotham in the movie. But it's this really is, is big, that too far wide shot. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Gotham was just Chicago the whole time. <laughs> Very strange. Um but just really big, wide open effect, and and this is Batman we're talking about. Yeah. Right? This isn't supposed to be spanning galaxies and decades. Right. This is some little crime-ridden town mm-hmm. with a caped guy. Where the world is the town, really. Right. Yeah. They're giving us this huge, huge spectrum of mm-hmm. stuff to look at, and I feel like Interstellar did the complete opposite when it should have doubled that. Mm. Well, I, I guess to give another pro. To kind of because I've been thinking about let's this well. even this out a little more. right. I, I think I, I think I I think Nolan will get less credit for all the little things he did in this movie because it's a scientific film. I feel like if it wasn't a scientific film, it would be like, and I know this is supposed to be a pro, but <laughs> I'll get I'll get to that. I just want to explain it first. Criticism um, is good. Yeah, like it, like it's the same reason Gravity got like a lot of heat. It's the same reason. I know. I'll I'll try not to keep saying it. Let's start with Tally. It's whenever there's a movie that's got like a science uh, theme to it, it's either got to be perfect or it's got to be loose. It can't be either. It can't be like eighty percent. It can't be. You people can't be happy with the fact that it's this literate in science and it stretches other things. So, I think all the little things like the sound not being right, um, the cold look of it at times um the pinhole view um and just like the shots of of and then the whole themes of love and this and that that it's almost like he was trying to portray what space travel would be like in reality more than say it's glamorized in like a star trek um where gravity did a good job you can tally that one again for another one <laughs> um, uh they did a really good job of making it a harsh reality of if something goes wrong you're kind of screwed unless you have some kind of plan or like the movie stretched uh you could go from station to station with one fire hydrant but um (laughs) granted granted it's 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 a movie uh it's it's not reality so i think he did a really good job of capturing um that or trying to just in just different things that different senses of of you hearing seeing obviously there's not too many more feelings you can actually interact in a movie with but just using those alone he kind of made it he made you either want to get out of the box and see the whole picture or realize is this really all we would see if we were out there we're confined even though we're in the universe we can still only see it through a single window or a mask you know like that's all we can see of it. That is know? entirely true. Yeah. So that's as a as a pro, but it will probably be a con. Is that he's probably not going to get as much credit for that because I think it did a great job, but I'm seeing it as a science fiction movie coming into it. So I was very happy with the with the result afterwards. 
after going into it like that. Other than the, uh, we'll hop into a second, the whole, the wormhole, uh, sorry, not mm-hmm. the wormhole, the black hole, the, the black ending. Supermassive black hole. The extra dimensions. Right. It's kind of hard to predict what's going to be on the other side of that. But you're right. Up until that point, mm-hmm. everything was done as it would have actually happened. Right. You know, not like we're going to be sending people through wormholes for fun anyways, hoping that one of them survives. Mm -hmm. But that is the way Mm -hmm. that would make the most sense to do it. Yeah. I mean, I I think people like are just – it goes back to kind of your point where you said before that Christopher Nolan's had such great movies that this movie inevitably has to be great or it's going to get criticized. So it's like with the – so basically the part we're talking about is when uh, Coop – releases uh Anne Hathaway's character um to go to the other planet so that she has enough she so to lose the mass so she can release from the gravity and, and get into an orbit um and he crosses the uh, event horizon of the black hole which like they said in the movie and which is true we have no idea what's behind the event horizon of the black hole because for all we know you would um spaghettify as you were entering the black hole and basically be ripped yeah you basically yeah but it you probably wouldn't feel it let's put it that way my guess is you'd probably be dead before you felt it so but inevitably so i can't eat myself while i'm falling into a black hole no you'll never reach yourself Ah. yeah well that's a problem yeah i I won't bring any utensils then yeah (laughs) (laughs) so uh so anyway so he, he crossed the event horizon and then He's in this, well, first of all, there's this whole, like, crazy cascade. He's he's in the ship, then he blacks out, then he wakes up to him shaking and, like, the whole right, ship the getting turbulence. ripped apart, and then he ejects. See, I wouldn't have done that in space. That right. Was, that was right. a pretty big... But uh... when you think about for the end of it, he had to eject if he was going to be found afterwards. So... Right. Um, which I think, uh, anyways, we'll get, we'll get back to that. Uh, sorry. The part thinking, that didn't make any sense. Yeah, thinking too fast here. <laughs> Faster than I can talk. Um, so I thought it was a really simple way of, especially for a movie to explain, this is why, this is what happens when you're in a black hole that maybe just maybe humans from the future are looking through these five dimensional places and giving us or or it was that he had the power in the fifth dimension to do what he wanted to mm-hmm. you know um granted the, the there's there were things that needed to happen to continue the story which was he needed to communicate with Tars the robot so that uh, he could send the data that he had inside the black hole to his daughter Murph and then Tars programmed it into the watch so how do you how in any especially as a writer how do you write that in you, i mean i think that's a pretty good job of writing to to and and matching it visually you, you just have to like... add a few more dimensions and your problem is solved <laughs> right, exactly. it's that simple <laughs> yeah you know for all of the They're writers probably out there their heads for weeks just like how do we what do we do with this <laughs> you know if you're if you're out there writing you know maybe you're writing a movie script right now probably not Add a if, few dimensions. If you are, yeah, it doesn't have to be a space movie. You're having a really hard time coming up with a good ending. Just mm-hmm. add in some more dimensions. There you go. Right? I mean, this is a pretty good ending. It'll pretty write itself. Strange ending. <laughs> I'll get to another con in a second, but how about this for an ending? Okay. Because you had talked about, you had mentioned these future humans, okay? I thought that was a mm-hmm. cool concept, but now whether, it's it's not really clear. It's not clear 
whose thing this is, who put the wormhole near, is it Jupiter or Saturn? It's near Saturn. Right, they kept talking about the, the Guardians or something they... like that. It felt very Halo-ish. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they keep referring to whatever it is, something that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. But, but something, not just nothing. Right. It's not like this thing just showed up one day by pure luck or right. just chance. Mm-hmm. This thing was placed in our solar system seemingly for us, mm-hmm. which uh, is something that Nolan, we were talking earlier about how it's a very cold, dark movie. All of his movies are cold and dark Mm-hmm. They expose human nature, and it's all about reality. Now, he might make some subtle references in his movies that are set in the past, but his movies never really touch on faith uh, or even any sort of God or any mm-hmm. sort of just something that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. This was a first for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think he did a good job. Um, he I, did a good job of... Um... I guess if it's even possible, like, riding that politically correct line without being politically correct. What I I mean by that is there's, like, certain instances. So they they mention they, and and both sides use they. There's the NASA people use they, and then there's the the astronauts use they. Um, Almost like um, they're either talking about aliens or they're talking about God or, but they, but they, he doesn't, they don't doesn't go further than that it just goes to they and then um you know you get out there there's there's all this stuff and then he gets in the hole and then the whole thing is but no it doesn't matter what they is it's us that's all that really matters we're the only ones that can do anything about it and that message i love right no you're absolutely right because it doesn't matter if you believe in aliens or or god or anything like that if you just believe that we need to take care of stuff on our own, that's the only way to get things done, then yes, I agree. Whether it's in our hands or not, there's someone or something that's giving us an opportunity. They're not, yeah. they're not picking us up right. by the litterful and bringing Maybe us it's nature. Who knows? Could Who be knows? Anything. But we're given the opportunity, and the only way to succeed is to take the opportunity. Right. Right? Um, do you want to get into the uh, – how about I'll say one more con and then okay. we'll get into uh, the whole – now, and I definitely have to look up what the hell he called this thing. The the black hole, the structure that was built in the extra dimensions with the bookshelf and uh, right oh. after he came out, right after he ejected. The, the Tetrarch was – Oh, yeah. The, 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 yeah. Um, no, that's, that sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, I think I think. Yeah, the Tetrarch. Okay. Yeah. Um, We'll get into that in a second, which I I still can't actually wrap my head around. Like, logistically or physically, I don't understand really what it was or why it was designed the way it was. I guess it's because we're three-dimensional people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that, that, that definitely flew over my head. I, I really didn't understand it. Um, I just – I thought visually it was good, and it was kind of a good way to somehow show all the different times his daughter – was in his room over the years, you know what I mean? Like it's an infinite room, like an infinite re- mirror room. Like it's just an infinite amount of instances and time inside that room, behind that bookcase. Mm-hmm. So pretty far out there. You know what? I'm actually, now I'm having a hard time thinking up a real bad con. Uh, you know what? I'll give you a con. Okay. Because I've been giving pros. Um, I thought 
the like I'll, I'll even go with you on sound because originally honestly I, I especially a few weeks afterwards I I think I liked the movie so much that I forgot about the sound but the the soundtrack was very um it was annoying I don't I wouldn't call it annoying I I almost would call it conflicting it didn't seem like it was just very it was a very strange choice because it was like it was basically like church organ um chords and and sound to it you know it was very it's very hollow sounding okay uh, i thought I, I i i'm not sure what it was for me but something about it and how how you heard it too like i don't think i had an issue with necessarily like the music itself mm-hmm. but how it came across it i definitely had an issue with it like the sound was definitely i mean i had at, i asked and i'm sure i was asked at least once what did he say what did she say mm-hmm. so that was a little a little weird but the movie was so involved that i i completely forgot i'll definitely know? talk about that soundtrack for a second mm-hmm. so we were, we mentioned hans zimmer earlier mm-hmm. so this is a guy just to give you some of the the movies that he's done so he's done all of the most of the christopher nolan movies so mm-hmm. he's done uh and not like they have necessarily the strongest themes i'll get into that in a second but inception mm-hmm. uh that was really groundbreaking i thought for soundtracks in general yep. you all know the horns you know uh, uh. it's <laughs> it was annoying at first but now you see so many movies mm-hmm. just taking those horns they just they take the same thing and it all sort of started yeah. with inception I thought that was really good. Oh, he, yeah. You're right. I, you know, I did, hadn't even connected that, but you're, you're 100% right. Well, now you're going to notice that like half yeah. the commercials on TV, whether they're movies or not, are using those horns. Uh, let's see. Some of the it's like movies. if they, they do like a long shot and it's kind of shaking and it's like, and it's like it zooms out a little bit. Like, right. That's a, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like Jaws 2.0. <laughs> it is. It is. It's almost a little overused now. It was still incredible in Inception, but he's done all the the uh, the Batman, the Dark Knight movies. Mm-hmm. Those also sort of had a similar sort of bassy sound. Yes. Um, once again, no like real identifiable themes, um, but it has like a general sound. Mm-hmm. You know, for the typical, you know, maybe the more than. Uh, Maybe you know movies a little more than other people. You'll probably recognize his music. It all has a sort of similar mm. sound. Uh, but you know what? A couple of the things that he really made tunes for. Um, you saw Gladiator. Yes, that is an incredible movie. Uh, I now I can't think of them off the top of my head. I'm also not going to sing for you. Sorry, but some really, I have to pay for it too. So I, right, some really <laughs> good themes throughout the movie. And another movie that, if you go back and listen, sounds almost identical to that, mm-hmm. that he did a decent amount of the work for was The Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. Oh, right. wow. Okay. Right? Now, like, think of how many times you've seen that song played over mm-hmm. and over and over again, not in the movie, in commercials, in other movies. Yeah. It's People know what that song is. Mm-hmm. Now, I think his problem with this was not only was it, like, not particularly good, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term... <laughs> I, I I simply thought it was annoying and it was really repetitive, like you said with yeah. organs and. Yeah. But it and to just, go with it, you can't really sell a CD of that soundtrack. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. If you're trying to put someone to sleep, uh, then sure. <laughs> or terrify them, right? Or terrify <laughs> them. Uh, but just in general, it didn't have any melodies, and if you don't have any melodies, you need to have a really good soundtrack, mm. and it didn't really do either of those things. Mm. So just like Nolan sort of let me down, Hans Zimmer, who I just named all those movies. They have mm-hmm. incredible soundtracks. He also sort of let me down. Hmm. Um, 
how about this though? One more, one more con, and then I promise only, <laughs> only good things from here. Okay, um, and not to get off uh, Interstellar, but these other Nolan movies, he makes them all very unpredictable, right? Mm. Um, there, there, I can't even think of one now, but there's probably a million instances in. In, so there's the, there's the big reveal at the end, but the big twist. Well, or, or... I'm trying to think specifically of, of Inception. Um, but that movie is just a huge mind F anyways. Oh, yeah. That's just twist after twist after twist. But I, the thing I was thinking about right off the top was uh, the end of The Prestige, hmm. right? Where, uh, okay, yes. if you haven't seen The Prestige, this is where you pause it, like fast forward about Yeah, there's probably seconds. a button like fast forward 30 seconds. That, that'll work. Like, please do that. You're spoiling it for yourself. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Go away if you haven't seen it. So, the best part of that was the ending, where you find mm-hmm. out that he is somehow, mysteriously, mm. uh, cloning himself yeah. and killing himself, all for the sake of a magic trick, yeah. which is the most horrifying, terrifying thing. And <laughs> it's, it's one commitment. of the best twists you could possibly think of. Who would have ever <laughs> saw that coming? Exactly. And, and this is like this is exactly. Nolan. This is this guy does twists for a living. <laughs> this I couldn't wrap my head around it. It yeah. was incredible. Now this movie, maybe for the people who aren't necessarily uh, science literate, maybe maybe it had some twists and turns. But for us, I feel like it was pretty cut and dry. Right? There wasn't. Oh, the movie. There wasn't really like a big. Yeah. Bump in the. I mean, obviously there were some turbulent scenes and there was uh, some twist, but there wasn't that huge like you had to slam on the brakes and no, stop were, everything. Yeah, it was. It was almost like 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 let's get real moments. Like like mm-hmm. when when he says that he lied and when uh, uh, man's character uh, shows that he's a fucking coward. Like those moments were the big reveals. Now they were big reveals, yeah. but they were also like entirely. It's almost like the other the other reveals. It's almost like time stops when in this one in these reveals it was like it was almost like a fire and it had just gotten really burning. Mm-hmm. It's like okay now this is gonna go, you know, like what is gonna happen because of that now, you know, because you're seeing you're seeing uh, Murph get pissed off that he lied. And it's like, oh crap! What's she gonna do? Is she, is she gonna figure out the the equation? You know, even though she kind of already cracked it before he died. Um, and then with man, you're like, holy crap! Is McConaughey gonna fucking die right now? Like, <laughs> he's gonna fucking die, and his kids not gonna he's not gonna see his kids. Like, holy shit! And then at the end, when he sees Murph, you know, as an old woman on her on her deathbed, you know, which is another crazy, like. Could you even handle that? No, I think I just... <laughs> right? He's way too calm, okay? He's been chilling in space, allegedly He just went for... through the event horizon. He was in the fifth dimension, I think. I think at that point... <laughs> Nothing else. All bets are off, yeah. Right? You reset like, button. Just... Things can fly, whatever. He's not going to really care. Um, you know what? I have some more cons, but let's put those aside. Okay. Let's talk about um, the Tetrarch now. Yeah. So Is it the Tesseract or the Tetrarch? The, you know what? People, you know what I'm talking tesseract, about? Tesseract, yes. The Tesseract. tesseract. I, I'm sorry. It's okay, John. I, I, Reading I mess up math, words on here all the time. These aren't things that I'm... <laughs> I, I can push buttons on cameras. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about... Say it again. The Tesseract. The Tesseract. Let's talk about the Tesseract, people. Now, why the hell was it built like that? Was it built simply so 
so we could understand that's sort of a rhetorical question i would hope you say yes like it's uh, and i think he even i think he even said uh, i think when he was talking to tars because tars couldn't see it tars had no idea what he was talking about dumbass <laughs> Stupid but robot. all he knew was that um i think tars explained it that it was it was the only reason we're seeing it like this is because this is how it is so that you can understand it because you're thinking about a five-dimensional world in three dimensions. So that's how you'd have to think of it. Because obviously you'd need to be a fifth-dimensional being to see anything. That's true. Like uh, a three-dimensional world and a 2D world. Or no, a 2D world may be three-dimensional. And anyway, a fourth... I'm sorry. Like the, our world, the third dimension, may look like a two-dimensional world to the person in the fourth dimension. But we technically live in a four-dimensional world, right? I mean, no, so, three-dimensional world. No, but, but what's time? I thought time was supposed to be. The I'm not sure. That's that's going way past my understanding like the of that third and a half stuff. dimension. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere between three. That's and why four. I stick to more of the engineering, what I can build and see and touch. So that's what most of us try to do. If you're thinking about fifth dimensions, then more than good for you. <laughs> Have fun with that. Have fun. Uh, I will not be one of them simply because I can't. Though it's not because I I choose not to. Yep. I wish I could, but. Yeah, like most of you, I probably can't imagine things in the fifth dimension. Right. Um, so that being said, so if these really are super, super smart beings and they mm -hmm. live in their fifth dimension and they can pretty much do whatever the hell they want, mm -hmm. it just doesn't seem like that's the easiest way to explain it. I get that. Yeah, it's, well, it's, Matthew McConaughey kind of, or Coop's character kind of said, like, we, like as human beings in the future, we put the hole there we mm -hmm. put the 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 glor the wormhole there <laughs> we <laughs> the wormhole <laughs> we put that there uh the the humans in the fifth dimension saved him across the event horizon maybe the the future is beyond the event horizon where we're past uh being physical beings that's what I got out of it. That's not what I necessarily believe, but that's what I got out of his explanation. So, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really have nothing more to say. To, I will agree with it's you. It's pretty wacky. <laughs> um, well, you know what? Here, another question. Is it supposed to be... So he enters. Mm -hmm. Is that... Is he in his own sort of space now? Let's say Anne Hathaway also ended up in there. Mm -hmm. Would she also be in there? Because you think about it, um, it, yeah. it, it obviously goes back to the bookshelf at the beginning. The books are falling off the shelf. It turns out to be him, sort mm -hmm. of a paradox where he's going into the future to then go back and tell his daughter how to go to the future. That's a right. cool paradox. But if Anne Hathaway or someone else had slipped in, would they have necessarily – because you look at this thing. He's right. surrounded by books. Now, right. for anyone else, most likely – that wouldn't really be relevant to them. Right. Right. It's only because, and it, right. Because you know of what? his love, his connection with his daughter. But why really? not just make it like one room with one bookshelf? He had to go through this whole thing and find his bookshelf. Right. Like, I well, have a bookshelf. You I, have a bookshelf I, over there. Like, what if you went to the wrong I could see bookshelf? It as an, I could see it as an argument that uh, because he's still in space, he would need to travel and float around because he had the boosters, or it's just a good excuse to use the boosters in the scene. Um, I could see maybe that's why, but I guess going back to the original question, I guess maybe what we know for sure is that uh, like him and Tars were in, could communicate through the headsets, but they didn't see each other. So they were in their own separate Oh, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. But 
that could just be because he's a robot and he's a human. So I don't know what would happen if if uh, Anne Hathaway's character came into the picture. Um, how about this? It was it was really cool to go in and see this whole thing, right? It was mm-hmm. pretty spectacular to look at, um, even if it didn't make the most sense. Now, I feel like yeah. something Nolan would typically do, mm-hmm. he'd typically do, you'd go through the event horizon, he'd mm-hmm. eject, and he would literally end up in a pretty much seemingly empty room where right. he just sort of standing or floating there and there's just the one bookshelf in front of him like mm. it, i feel like it, after a movie of that much confusion mm-hmm. he would end it with something simple and understandable not him having to sift through an infinite amount of bookshelves to find his own yeah i i i, I think that was meant to be a simple solution to a really complicated answer i feel like a problem though was you remember in uh inception and he has moments in all of his movies, mm-hmm. but you have the iconic part in Inception where, uh, where in their own dream state, they're remember they uh, they go off the bridge, they're mm-hmm. free falling. Oh, like when they're in limbo. Right? No, no, no. Sorry, not when they're in limbo. Okay. Uh, there was a scene where they're all strapped into a car, they're all dreaming. Yeah. And the car goes off the bridge, and when they're in free fall, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Hewitt. Uh, what's his first name? I don't know. Gordon Levitt Hewitt, Yes. Right? Uh, there's the whole fight scene in the hotel where he's yeah, in he's zero gravity. It, right. Or I shouldn't say zero gravity, but gravity... The gravity in the dream is being affected by the fall. Right. Yeah. Now, that was one of the coolest things you'll ever see in any movie. Yeah. And, and it, it was reverse relativity as far as uh, like the movie Interstellar went. Mm-hmm. Like... They went down, spent an hour, and then it cost them. You know, I didn't even think about that. It really is the total opposite. Seven years, right. It's the opposite. It's you go further in and you gain time, but you come back out and you're the same. I think I'd rather gain time than I think think we can all agree. Yeah. Interstellar, not so much. I wouldn't mind seeing the future, but but yeah, I don't want to come back and uh, feel like a caveman. Well, I think that's why Inception was, uh, was so... Like pop, especially like dream state, like kind of like mm-hmm. you could have a dream that lasts a lifetime, but you come back and you're the same age. It was it was one nighttime, you right? Know? It's like, damn. I feel like with that scene though, uh, Interstellar up until this point, it didn't really have that iconic scene to remember it by, right? Interstellar, right? So I mean, you had honestly the scenes the I remember are the like Matthew McConaughey's face crying when he sees his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it pretty much just shots at the face. That's what I remember. Okay. Pretty much for the most part, all the emotion. I feel like with that scene, he tried to top what he had done with inception. He's like, so I've, I've made this cool <laughs> dream state and this shot of this room that's rotating. Mm-hmm. How can I top that? And oh, I, I never even thought of I that. feel like, he didn't. I mean, it was a cool concept. Don't get me wrong. Not gonna lie, there was at least two people in the theater that were uh, kind of laughing and kind of literally saying seriously when that's when that started. So right, I'm sure a lot of you definitely, said that, right? I mean, people definitely did not like. They were kind of like, oh, like that's where you went with this. It's sort of a cop out, right? I, I, so I guess some people thought of it that way. I had no issue with it because I, me as a, as a scientist, like as an engineer, like I can only imagine the calculations that would go into explaining something like that. The mm-hmm. beyond. So to me, I'm like, 
Like, <laughs> I don't have to overthink that. It's real simple. <laughs> I was like, I was very okay with that. So, because it, it, it's basically, it's more of a movie move than a scientific move. It's, we're not going to tell you what's behind an event horizon because obviously we'll be wrong. Or in a scary way, we'll be right. So we're just going to give you, <laughs> we're just going to give you an explanation and keep it simple, not too crazy. And that's it. Uh, but, uh, you know, from your point of view, I get it. I guess um, they may have gone a little bit too far as as far as like trying not to make it crazy. And in the end, they, they made it crazy. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> well, how about this? If, if that didn't tie up the ending, a nice little neat bow for you. Mm -hmm. How about this? So I was thinking earlier of... Other Nolan movies, uh, mm -hmm. specifically in uh, Inception, I keep they're too similarly. They both begin with I N. I keep wanting to say one, but I I say the other instead. Interstellar. Yeah. Inception. Well, no. Inception. Oh. Every time I say the wrong one, just like just hit okay. me with something. I got you. Like annoy me. I need to be like distracted. Okay. Inception. The end yes. of Inception ends. He takes the uh, the little right. uh, not the dreidel thing. The what top. Do you call it? The top. Yeah. The top. Thank you. I'm in holiday mode. I guess. Um, <laughs> He takes the top, and after it's revealed early in the movie, uh, if you don't see your your top or whatever it is, your little object, mm -hmm. you don't see it totem. react to the, the totem. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the point is, the movie ends, and you're open to interpret it whichever way you want. Right. Either he's back in America, mm -hmm. and we just simply didn't see the thing fall over because... Still never saw the kids' faces. Right. Right. No, you know, I think we did... No, we oh, saw, no, we did see the we kids' We saw the kids' faces. That's right. But that goes, that plays into the part where... That maybe he finally committed. Maybe, no, maybe he's in a dream at the end of Inception. Right. You never see the thing fall over. Mm. So, you know, we don't know. There's no way for us to really know. Right. Christopher Nolan probably doesn't know either. He, he's he didn't want just, an answer, bro. <laughs> right. He just, there is no right there or wrong. There will never be an answer. Uh, on to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> on to Cincinnati. I'm not talking about this. Um, even to a lesser extent, at the end of the Dark Knight, uh, Batman he's bringing the nuclear bomb out right, over the, the right. ocean, and it's pretty hard right. to survive a blast like that. But maybe, just maybe, he used this right. little uh, escape pod. Mm -hmm. He lives happily ever after. He takes Anne Hathaway to. Uh, he was in France. Michael Caine explains mm -hmm. his dream his earlier dream. in the right. movie. Another where, dream Nolan reference. Right, right. these dreams. Right. Maybe it's all just a dream. Caine's uh, explaining early in the movie how he has this dream. He's waiting for Christian Bale in this cafe in France. He never shows up. And then lo and behold, the end of the movie, right. just coincidentally after Batman brings a nuclear bomb out over the water, mm -hmm. Christian Bale just happens to show up at this cafe that just happened to be explained in a dream earlier in the movie. So maybe mm -hmm. that was just a dream too. Maybe Batman died. Sorry. <laughs> like everyone loves Batman, right. but maybe he's actually dead. Mm -hmm. Now, what about in this movie? Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about Matt Damon earlier and Dr. Man. Right. Uh, there's a line where they're talking about what's the last thing. They're, they get really into uh, really in human depth. instinct. Right. right. Um, so they're... Uh, yeah, he, he's what's like he saying? he's like really because because you don't realize that man's gonna kill him at first. So he's he's telling him about all this crazy shit of like what happens when you die and this and that. And he, <laughs> is probably like, all right, dude, like I I don't know why you're talking about death You've so been much. Thinking but, about this too long. Yeah, you? <laughs> I know you just came out of a really long sleep, but let's talk about <laughs> something else, dude. Like God, <laughs> uh, what is he? Um... Oh, so so man explains to him uh, his theory of 
when you die or mm-hmm. when you're about to die, the last thing you see is your children, mm-hmm. which, you know, even the real world, whether it's your children, whether it's your pet, whatever, you're going to see that one thing. Your life is going to flash before your eyes. Mm-hmm. Like it, it probably is. I can't say I've had a near death experience. Right. That's what I'm expecting when and if I do. Mm-hmm. So at the very end of the movie, after he somehow exits uh, this nice little black hole land, mm-hmm. he just happens to appear in the middle of space, just happens to be rescued, just happens to see right. his daughter all grown up. Right. So, so so, I guess what you're saying is, is it another Nolan ending uh, that has to do with dreams or like is there actually like something to it? I don't know. Well, I, I guess what I would say is that... Um, from if I'm not mistaken, the location he comes out of is where they went in, um, which was the wormhole. Okay. So that's where they find him in his suit. So he ejected out of the spaceship. So that lines up. Um, you know, for all he knows, all he did was communicate with Tars, and Tars somehow encoded the watch with uh, the Morse code. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, so he gets the information to his daughter. So. Um, so the question is, does going into that actually bring you out or did he get brought out? So that aside, I think he did actually come out the other side. So when and he... that so so what happened was so so to explain even further, so so he goes to see his his daughter, uh, he leaves, and then and then he's he's sitting on the world. That's basically a recreation of uh of Murph's world, of Earth. Because right. it's this it's... colony uh outside of G uh Saturn. If I'm not mistaken, so on, on on one of Saturn's moons, and um, so so the the world is bent, you know, and the, mm-hmm. the what I got out of that is that they figured out a way to manipulate, and there's there's the there's the baseball field, and they he hits the ball and it goes right that right was, up that into was a someone's funny roof. It's kind of funny, but I took it as the information that they got from Tars and from him helped them understand how to manipulate and control gravity which is why they got off the planet which is why they could create these other worlds where it's like it's like the game halo the ring but it's like if it was a full sphere or a tube instead of just a ring you know it's that same concept um which i which kind of threw me a little bit when i got out of the theater well it was strange (laughs) just because of how much like you talk about halo or what was the Mm -hmm. uh was the other matt damon movie the um oh shit elysium uh, oh yeah, I one? never saw that. It was uh, it was all right. It was yeah. the same dude who made District Nine. Okay, worth seeing, but yeah, sort of out there. But it has just like Halo. It has this big, uh, s- not spherical. Uh, help me out here. Uh, what's uh, what's this shape? Circular. S- yeah, circles. 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 See, like math, <laughs> reading. Please You're doing donate. fine. Okay. You're doing fine. Circles. <laughs> I'm glad that I know what a circle is. So it was. It's you know you can see a nice big circle like that. Mm-hmm. It seems, that seems to make sense when they shrink it down so that when you hit a baseball, it literally hits the ground above you. That just that threw me off a little bit. So yes. I was sort of not. I guess I was confused. I mean, I understood what was happening. Right. It just it was like, why is this? Why is this so small? Mm-hmm. Why didn't they make this bigger? Right. Right. Like you have the power of gravity. Make this thing just a little larger. Um, but yeah, it was strange that, um, I guess not strange, I guess it was perfect that they made it his home and the well, baseball field. Well, it was field. a museum, if I'm not mistaken, to her and her and, and, and her oh, father. Oh, that's, that's right, that's right. Because the guy was cleaning off everything mm-hmm. and there was like postcards and stuff. Oh, you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I totally agree with you, the fact that all of the, the info that Tara's got and they sent back mm-hmm. through the wormhole and then 
he eventually relayed to his daughter. Like that definitely, that definitely happened. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't a dream that actually happened. Right. Because it happened at the beginning of the movie. Right. And they just show, they explain it in the end. But, um, and, and I don't know. No one really knows. Um, if you know, then you don't. You are lying. There's no way for us to really know what is, where the movie ends and where the dream begins. Because, like, I'm sorry, it's really hard to find someone in space. Mm-hmm. I think, maybe you think it's easy, but... Well, the only reason that they found him was because the... the um, what, was where the colony like, was right there. That's the reason they found him. There happened to be a ship. So that, that the, so it wasn't a rescue mission. They literally just bumped into they him. They bumped one day. into him. Yeah, I guess that makes a yeah. little more sense. But didn't it just seem like almost the ending was too perfect? He saw his kids. Well, I saw it as incomplete. I saw it as there could be another movie that, yeah, they found him, but uh, and Hathaway's character is still on the other planet because they showed her it's habitable. So now you know instead of sitting there and 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 even though he he accomplished what he was going to do, which was to come back for his daughter, and he did. And his daughter said, you know, I got you back. You know, I got us off Earth. Like, I'm with my family now. Now go do what you were meant to do, which was to live, uh, you know, in the future, which he now can. You know, this is the time he was supposed to live in. Or that his, him as a person was really meant for. Because the time he grew up in with his daughter, the time they, they, were, they were telling him that the right? Apollo missions never happened. That NASA oh, made it up. That, 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 I was so... <laughs> I was so fucking pissed. I, I was, was like, these people. I was like, glad that he crazy. threw that in there because he really chick, is one she to drove jab me crazy. the political themes like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. that was that was a good reference because, you know, don't get me started on that. But <laughs> they're, like this is actually happening. It doesn't happen. We're spoiled here in southeastern New England, okay? Mm-hmm. Like we couldn't even fathom that happening. And when it does happen in little teeny tiny doses up here, but like – these fucking wackos, like, these people have no say in society. They're just the cuckoo people that live in... Other know, porches. Yeah, I'm not going to name any other states in New England, but other parts of New England, <laughs> even our own state, okay? Yeah. But for most of the... I shouldn't say most, but for a lot of the country, that is the reality. Or it's something closer to that mm-hmm. where people wouldn't even question that. In fact, they question if that wasn't the case. Right. Let's not... Uh, I don't want to uh, start punching things and, and slamming things. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> um, now, how about... Um... Uh, so this will, be, this will be the last point um, because uh, this will make a perfect uh, two episodes, but I also have somewhere to be at three. So. <laughs> oh, shit. Look at that. It's already been an hour and a half. I know. Isn't it great when it just flies? Like You don't even realize. I can't believe that we spent an hour and a half. I know. More than that now. Yeah. Uh, talking about this movie. Yeah. Uh, Go on to your last point. Uh, my last point, and it's basically my first point, that I think it was a fantastic science fiction movie. I mean, think about all the people who've been influenced by really good science fiction movies. Star Wars, Star Trek, um, Back to the Future. And I think this one's going to be one of those ones that over time is going to hold up. Um, but at first, people just aren't kind of ready for it, I think. I, I know I was, and I thought it was good. Um but as a science fiction movie, it gets a 9 out of 10 in my book, and I think it's a must-see, and I'm going to go see it again. I'm definitely buying it when it comes out. You know what? I've been mostly the devil's advocate, so I'll, I'll <laughs> but that's end. Good. Um, you know, this isn't even necessarily bashing the movie, 
Uh, I don't think that's that's really what this point is about. But I guess the root of the movie, uh, or something that I had a problem with, something that probably went over everyone's head, is, uh, so, why are they leaving the planet? Leaving the planet because uh, the... In, in ten words or less. Okay. The crops are dying, and the last crop won't last very long. They fucked up the planet. Now it's time to go. Right? <laughs> I have a lot more to say for that. <laughs> right? They fucked up. Okay? They fucked up, yeah. Um, now, here's my problem with that. They spent an awful lot of time and effort and lives. Uh, not too many lives, I guess. Uh, but spending all of this time and energy to send people into space and if if the movie had really gone where it was going in the beginning mm-hmm. eventually everyone would have gone through the wormhole and yay we're on some other habitable mm. planet now but but that's like I, I have this problem with why they were leaving in the first place it's like first off yeah. this is our home okay the home gets dirty every now and then mm-hmm. right but what do you do when your house gets dirty? Do you go and do you go and buy a new house? Mm-hmm. Of course not. You clean yeah. your house. Yeah. You spend some time and some effort, and you clean up your mess. You don't mm-hmm. just oh well, this house sucks. There's shit everywhere. Now I'm gonna go and buy a new house. Mm-hmm. And when that one gets all nasty, yeah. I'll go buy another house. That's not the way. That's not a productive or efficient way to get anything done. Mm-hmm. Whether you're talking about a house, you can apply that to anything. It's just. It seemed like they were giving up. Yes, and I felt the same way. But I will say the the, the reasoning they gave, I think it was the first time he met with uh, um, the NASA people, it was that the the corn stalks were about to start dying, um, even though there was they were resistant to the dust. And then the next crop wouldn't release enough, uh, too, it would release too much nitrogen mm-hmm. and not enough oxygen. So eventually the people on Earth would all uh, suffocate. So that was so the they reason. Really inevitably, they really yeah, inevitably, they they kept trying to just patch up the the problem, patch up the problem, and then it was just going to kill them eventually because they never addressed the real issue, and it was way too far gone at that point because they had given up on on science and and they were the caretakers, so they gave up on on looking past Earth. So maybe that should be the thing that people take away from this movie the most, mm-hmm. uh, assuming that some kind of folks. Don't place a wormhole in our backyard, mm-hmm. and we notice that all the crops we don't get are lucky dying. enough that someone puts a wormhole that leads us to another place that right, we right right <laughs> yeah. So if the, if there's huge dust storms and all the crops are dying, mm-hmm. that's just a point where you fucked up. You yeah, fucked up. We should fix it. We should do something way before it gets to that point. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> I think that's a perfect way to, to to end it there. So, John, thank you so much for for coming on today, dude. I wish we had another hour and a half. I know, you know, I what? know. You know what? We're gonna have to do more movies, uh, definitely here and there. Or you should start. I, I honestly, I learned a lot from you today. Uh, I hope I hope you learned something from me. Absolutely. Um, I hope the the, the fans learned a lot about uh, movies, seventy millimeters, different things like that. Yeah, go and um, see. It's going to be there for a while, especially yeah. with the Oscar, with the award season coming out. Yeah. This movie's going to be there. Go spend the time. Get the unlimited pass. Go and see this movie. Yeah, bunch. see if that thing exists. That sounds kind of cool. It's pretty cool. But yeah, guys. All right. Uh, have a great week, and uh, thanks for listening.